0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert, helping people to think, speak, and act positively through the challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at my website, which is Tom, the number two, and tall, T-A-L-L.com. Our guest today is the amazing Will Aglaras. Uh, who has me a bit jealous, let's say a lot jealous. Uh, Will is a Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor. We'll put that in parentheses. He just has his service project to complete, but I'm calling him that already in advance. He's spent his life leading a dual career in insurance as well as trying to expound on the benefits of living your life with a positive mental attitude, something which I love, and I even have a PMA tattoo to prove it. Uh, Will's essay titled Limb Walkers is featured in an upcoming Napoleon Hill Foundation book, a lucky dog. It was also featured in the Napoleon Hill Foundation Weekly e-zine last year. It was also posted on their Facebook page. Uh, very, very good. Will was recently named the Employee Benefit Advisor of the Year by the Employee Benefit News Organization after recommendations of over 40 of his clients and associates. He has been in the insurance business and primarily healthcare since 1972 and has built one of the largest health insurance planning firms in northwest Indiana. Welcome to the show today, Will.
1: Thank you very much, Tom. Glad to be on with you.
0: You dirty dog, you're getting all this amazing publicity, and I am jealous. That Limwalkers is an amazing pledge, and I can see why Judy jumped on that, and the foundation is really helping promote it. Uh, we'll go through some of the points in the pledge uh, through the show and, and your idea of how you created it. Uh, but it uh, it is has some prominent space in Judy Williamson's upcoming book that I just finished proofreading. And I hope Judy doesn't kick my butt for letting out uh, some of what's in her upcoming book. So I'm sure she
1: won't. I
0: hope not. And so tell me uh, a little bit about, uh, uh, as you know, I'm a raving Napoleon Hill certified instructor fan. Tell me about uh, your taking the course, the trip you took, uh, why you decided to do it, and if you're like me, you believe uh, the trip you took was one of the best you probably ever took in your life uh, because of the people that were on the trip more than the sites that you saw.
1: Oh, absolutely, uh, Tom. It, first of all, my my venture started years and years ago. It was actually not pre-Napoleon Hill, but it was my original introduction to positive attitude and living living your life expecting the best. My parents' the first book they gave us to read outside of school was uh, "The Power of Positive Thinking" by Norman Vincent Peale, and from mm. there, it just became a process. Uh, to to move forward with the right direction. And if you're blessed enough to have parents who feel that way and think that way, it makes it much easier for you to adopt those types of principles and live that way. Uh, And and for me, it's been a lifelong walk uh, involved to the point where at at one point, uh, I actually was able to to promote a program with uh, Zig Ziglar, and another one with Robert Schuler and Joe Theismann and Captain Gerald Coffey of Vietnam POW. Uh, you know what? We all can learn something from everyone, no matter what we think we know. And we all have the opportunity, whether or not we choose to adopt it or not, to live a positive life or just take the negative path that so many people take.
0: Right, right. And so many people that I've interviewed have said, if only I was exposed to these positive books, including, of course, Napoleon Hill, when I was younger, if only my parents had helped me learn about this, you had that benefit.
1: We did, absolutely. My brother and sister and I now, what's interesting is even though we were all introduced to it, I was really the one who kind of picked it up and adopted it as a, as a life uh, venture, Uh, My brother, maybe it's his his engineering type mind is more on the keel of knowing known facts and accepting certain uh, uh, things about yourself and about life and not expecting that you can go beyond those limits except what you learn. And my sister, I don't know why she didn't. I just happened to be, I guess, the lucky one who took it a little more seriously and decided to do something with it. But it was wow. it was helpful having the introduction from parents, no question. So all I all I can say with that is it's a challenge to each and every one of us as parents and grandparents to extend that same opportunity to those of us that are teaching others what life is really about.
0: Right, right, right. And the trip itself—you got to see the beautiful uh, Victoria, uh, Canada, on the west coast of Canada. Beautiful. Uh, country's part of our country, but also uh, on the three Napoleon Hill certified instructor trips I've been on, and the one in Malaysia, the International Convention, the people are amazing. Ima- imagine a trip surrounded and filled with people with a positive mental attitude. Um, I forget most of the sites I saw, but I remember almost all the people I met.
1: And you are correct. I mean, w- when I arrived the first day and, and we met, we had a little gathering with everyone that first night, it was like everyone in the room immediately became acquainted with everyone else, unlike um, a lot of venture or, yeah, uh, involvements like that, where you walk into a room and you're kind of looking for a friendly face. It was like every face was friendly. <laughs> and by the end of the night, you were trying to memorize as many names as you could because you didn't want to insult them by not knowing them the next day. And, of course, it, I couldn't quite do that to perfection, but it was just the beginning of a terrific week. Uh, arrived on, I believe it was Sunday night I got in, or Mo- no, I think Monday we went out, and we started on Tuesday. Uh, the city of Victoria, as you mentioned, is a, just an absolutely uh, beautiful, beautiful location, a little north of, of uh, uh Oh my gosh. <laughs> the other, I can't even say it. The other Vancouver. city across Vancouver, I, I only was in there once and that was to take a cruise up into Alaska. But Canada is a beautiful country. That city especially is beautiful with its gardens and the harbor and the food. My gosh, the salmon and the location mm-hmm. we had it uh, was, was gorgeous. But the people were what really made it explosive, because everyone, in fact, we were lucky enough to have Napoleon Hill's grandson there in our class, and it was like sitting there, not necessarily with Napoleon Hill, but kind of, and a number of other people. There was a gentleman there who, I I believe, was beginning to open up an operation on the eastern side of Canada for the Napoleon Hill Foundation programs and things. I don't don't even remember what Mm. his name was, but it was, every day was a learning experience, and the best part was it was in person. Uh, A couple of the courses that you take to get to the certification class itself are basically online type courses or you're listening to tapes or reading books, and those are all great to me, there is nothing like getting the feel. It's almost, as you well know, the terminology mastermind. We had a week-long mastermind, and it was mm. incredible because when you're talking about ideas and you're you're sharing life experiences you've had and explaining how they've put you into a certain position and what you did with it, everybody began to think exponentially about other possibilities in their lives and things. So Mm -hmm. if if anyone out there is in the course currently or thinking about it, I can only say I wholeheartedly recommend it. It is a great way to meet great people, to change your life, and to be able to become prepared (laughs) to help other people become better for themselves.
0: right. And Judy Williamson is a big proponent of experiential learning. And that's what the trip is more about. There's not as much classroom time as people would think on the trip that The classroom time is learning from people, and and as you know, people from all different countries go and become certified instructors, and so the bus trip you take to go see that sightseeing thing you're going to do, where you spend an hour just chatting up someone from a different country about their life and their experience and uh, their goals and their purpose... Uh, You're almost disappointed when you get to the sightseeing spot. It's like, wow, I want to spend another hour talking to this person. And so uh, people have even questioned me and and been a little confused when I tell them that, yeah, people that aren't even taking the certification come on this trip. And they'd be like, why do people who are not even taking the course go on the trip? I'm like, are you kidding? The, The trip is amazing. The prices are good because of the group. And the people are worth as much
1: as the trip. Without a question. Yeah, it was It was an experience. I mean, for being there four days, the, the closest thing I ever experienced to that was a, a course I took back in 1986. I went to Dallas, Texas, and spent Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with a Zig Ziglar corporation doing a program called Born to Win that you I don't think did they offer anymore. The
0: same program.
1: Wasn't that great?
0: I got to spend time with Zig every day, and not in a ginormous crowd, in a small group of people. You get to spend time with Zig every day.
1: Yeah, it was that to me. And I'll tell you what was interesting was it inspired me. I had had a dream ten years or eight years before that. I was at a at an event in Chicago. It was a PMA uh, event. Norman Vincent Peale was there. W. Clement Stone, Dennis oh. Waitley, Zig Ziglar. Uh, Shuler was there. I mean, it was a it was the big time big hitters of the of the 80s, and or the 70s. I'm sorry because it was in 78. And I as I was leaving, I said to a group of people I was there with, I said someday I want to be involved in bringing a program like this to a group of people, and I kind of let it drag away, but I had it on my goal list every. I, I had I have five legal pads every week one for every day of the week, of the work week. And on the fr- the fifth pad, which is my Friday planning pad, it's also my dream pad. And I would write, someday I want to bring a motivational program to Northwest Indiana. And when I left the Born to Win seminar with Zig Ziglar, the two gentlemen that I went there with, that I had I had c- convinced their uh, owners and one, their father, to send them there, Uh, And I wasn't even going to go, but the the marketing guy from Ziggler's Corporation called me and said, how can you recommend us when you've never been here? And I said, (laughs) touche, I'll come. And when I left, I made the the determination then and the commitment that I was going to pull off a program with Zig. And it was less than one year later that we, because that was in, in April of 86. And I did that program March the 10th of 1987. And it, we had 1,700 people, and we couldn't sell tickets to the, event, to the event. We had to go out and basically get corporations that would invest in their people to pay a $25. We didn't do it to make money. We brought, did it to bring a positive program to our local area. And it all started in 1978. So setting a dream and setting having a, a purpose in your life, Just about anything you want to have happen can happen.
0: Wow. And now, before we got on the air, you were telling me about this. Really cool. Winner's Circle radio program. You were speaking about one person that you interviewed, uh, I think maybe the most recent one, an NBA player who's like the second or third wealthiest NBA player of all time. Tell me about some of the people you've interviewed about this Winner's Circle program and maybe a few of the uh, tips, not tips, but maybe a few of the practices and principles uh, that seem common with these amazing people.
1: Sure. It's actually two different things. We've got the Winter Circle radio program that I have, and then we've got my project. And the project is where the NBA player came in. Uh, So just to kind of delineate it for the audience, uh, as part of the Napoleon Hill certification project, you have a work project to do to complete your certification. And I'm still in the process of finishing mine. And the process is, basically going out and interviewing people from my locale, which is near Chicago in northwest Indiana, who have been very successful here in all walks of life, not necessarily all business, and to interview them on the traits of success as determined by Napoleon Hill's interviewing of significantly impacting people on this world uh, at the request of Andrew Carnegie. So I've been on that venture, as you had mentioned, Tom. The most recent one was a gentleman by the name of Junior Bridgman, who played was an all-state basketball player in, in Indiana, then played at Louisville, and then ultimately ended up with the Milwaukee Bucks. But at this point in his career, at the age of sixty-five, owns over two hundred and fifty combinations of Wendy's, uh, uh, the Applebee's franchises, and a number of franchise food. Uh, groups, and is now worth more than $300 million, only third behind Magic Johnson and, and uh, Michael Jordan. Uh, he, I, I just interviewed him just before Christmas this year. Just an incredible man, so humble, but so focused, and so much believes in one of, of, of the traits from the book the characteristics of successful people, which is going the extra mile with people. He he believes very much in giving back more than is being given to you. And that w- you don't do it for that reason, but you get the rewards that come from doing that because nature doesn't allow you to empty yourself of positive things without replacing the loss of positive with more. And by the way, that works in, on the other side as well empty all your negative into other people it has to come back and level out within your your spirit so i mean he was an incredible man as i mentioned humble very wealthy but had no attitude like that he was one uh, i interviewed the uh, first female mayor in fact attorney general in the state of indiana but mayor of the city of gary indiana uh karen freeman wilson and uh mayor wilson is a is a person who, if anyone can turn that town around because it's become so downtrodden over the last 30, 30 years or so, it's her. She's focused, she has goals, she has a vision for where that town can be, and she's pushing it there from the standpoint of helping kids identify a more positive way in their life to education, to just giving a, a, a direction for the town to take, and it's been with no direction for years. I interviewed the... Uh uh, the, the uh, Catholic, uh, the, Arch, the Archbishop of the Diocese, diocese however you say it. <laughs> Easy um, for you to say. <laughs> yeah, no, if I know. I and I'm Greek, and I can't say it. And I say that because <laughs> it sounds like a Greek name. But the Archdiocese, di- <laughs> whatever. I'm not going to worry about holding up on that. Uh, Bishop Melchick. Uh, and what it took for him to be successful. What, and I ask all of the people, you know, what were what were your gifts in life? What do you think of all the traits for the most important? And for him, it was planning and organizing. Uh, for uh, Junior Bridgman, it was, I believe, teamwork. Uh, there were a number of business owners I interviewed. There was one it, it, really incredible story, a local lady uh, uh, who, Danita Johnson used who runs a local uh, mental health facility, who talked about how at an earlier age when she was in high school, she got pregnant, and they wouldn't let her finish school in those days. She's probably in her her, her late 50s maybe, and at that time, you couldn't finish. And she left school, had the baby, was working, and she looked around at all these people in this prison setting that she was working in 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 the medical facility and said, I can accomplish everything every one of these people did. I can do this. And she went back and she got her GED degree, and then she went to college, and got her undergraduate degree, and then she went to University of Chicago and got a, a graduate degree and or a, a master's degree, and then she got a doctoral degree. All when everybody told her she couldn't do it, she did it. So I mean that's the kind of experience and and you had asked what are some of the traits of those people. The traits always seem to be pretty much the same in line. One, they all have a goal that they really want to they they want to achieve and it becomes a burning desire. And they surround themselves by people who believe in, in that goal and believe in them and will support them but not just always supporting. There's always, as you know from the book, there's the wet blanket. You need to kind of soften some of the things you get overwhelmed with with thinking you can do and not looking at all the potentials you have to plan for. And every one of them has focus and persistence. And if anything, none of them knows the word quit. Even when things get bad, they keep on going. And even though there's a lot of negative thinking about this individual, one of our ex-presidents here in the States, Richard Nixon, uh, because of his impeachment, there was a comment made about him. In fact, he made it. He said, you can be a a loser, but you've never lost until you quit. And if you don't quit, you've never lost. You can be a loser in the eyes of others, but you're still not a loser until you actually quit. So you don't quit in anything that you do. Because it's about the time you quit that the event that you were hoping to have happen happens.
0: Wow, those are some amazing people you've spoken with. Uh... Oh,
1: it was in the radio program, my Winter Circle radio program. Uh, one of the 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 we just had an interview we did uh, back. It was another one in December and uh locally here we had two football teams that had played a year ago uh august for opening game of the season, and one was from gary indiana uh and and they the school just doesn't have the money for for equipment and stuff, and they played another school called hobart and after the game the the coach from the uh Gary Westside team. had asked the coach from Hobart if they would be willing to get together and talk as a team and get to know one another on the field afterwards, maybe have a a closing prayer if they cared to or not. There was no pressure to it. And they did. And not long after that, uh, one of the boys on the Hobart team got uh, lymphoma, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And he – hold on one second, I've got to turn that, (laughs) Tom. And – Somehow through Facebook, the kids from the Gary team found out about his his uh, plight, and they began to converse with him and, and talk to him on face or on uh, webmail and everything else. And the kids said later that that was what helped him turn around. What they had been told was going to be a very bad circumstance for him. He feels he's cured now. During that period, he wrote a, a, uh, an essay, essay to the Ford Foundation and told them about this experience. And the Ford Foundation selected his essay as the winning essay, and they gave him $1,000. He took the $1,000 and he gifted it to the Gary Westside football program to buy equipment. When Ford found out what he did with that money, they turned around and gave $75,000 of equipment to Gary Westside for their football program all based on this young boy having shared his experience of how these other boys had helped him and that's you know you look and you you see all the divisiveness that can at least be presented by the press out there between races this is an example how there was no divisiveness so there was only caring an understanding of another person's position and trying to find a way to help them. I mean, there is so much good out there. You just have to find it, and then you got to tell people
0: about oh, it. Oh, and tell people. So just like last week or the week before on Facebook, I posted something that got a lot of likes and engagement. I said that for every act of terrorism, violence, and, and that kind of thing, there are 10,000 Acts of kindness and grace and generosity, but if you're watching TV, listen to the radio, reading whatever Yahoo or crap there is online, you are not going to know about those 10,000 acts of kindness, grace, and love to other people. You all think the world is full of terrorists and evildoers. Not yep. so.
1: There are far more people, I think, that are looking for good. Than there are the other, unfortunately, as you mentioned the the it 's much higher sales on the media side to to talk about the negative things that are occurring, but that 's what it 's up to each and every one of us to do in our own little world and that 's kind of how I got around to to writing that Limwalker pledge and showing it to Judy Williamson was because i one day I just got so fed up, and I hear so many people blaming other people and blaming circumstances on everyone else, that I decided, you know what, it's nobody's reason or fault that they're in the position they are but they themselves because they've allowed someone else to influence them to expect the worst or to do the worst rather than trying to look at the positive and do the best.
0: Mm. <laughs> exactly, exactly <laughs> uh, We'll get on to definite purpose n- soon uh, Because uh, this is a, a topic I love And one where Judy Williamson, after my hard thought out Writing my definite purpose for my certification Basically just said, wrong, that's not your purpose And you know, you like you go through a bunch of weeks for this course And I'm like What do you mean, wrong? It's my purpose. But the one I read, (laughs) the one I developed after she told me that is the one I really believe that if Jesus was sitting across from me at my desk uh, at my home office, uh, which would be quite something, uh, I believe he would give me the exact same document that I have staring in front of me in my home office every day as my definite purpose. But let's talk about because you live in Indiana, you must have been to the Napoleon Hill World Learning Center.
1: And I have I rem- been there.
0: I remember the first time I've been there, I remember every time I go there. Uh it feels incredible to be there. First of all, when I was there I don't know if they disbanded it, but they had the library of Oh you know, no, w. that's Clement still there. stone in there. So all the books there are a lot of the books from W. Clement Stone's library, so he almost feel like they're sitting in his office or his private space you got the bust of napoleon hill and w clement stone and so many things i was and right on the front of the building napoleon hill world learning center i was like a kid in a candy store i wanted to bring home every book every poster everything i saw in that place i wanted to i wanted it for myself so talk about the napoleon hill world learning center because maybe not a lot of people in the u.s or indiana or even canada know about this amazing place. you know
1: it it is really a blessing that we got it and i I can kind of historically take you through although not exact by year it was in the 90s at one point Uh, I had been asked, and and this leads to what you're talking about, I had been asked to participate with a group of other local businessmen in sitting through the PMA Science of Success course in order to get our opinions of whether or not Purdue University should bring it on campus to teach as part of its curriculum and then ultimately to take into the school system in Hammond, Indiana, both of which occurred. We sat through that course. That was the first time I read PMA, the Science of Success, and the thick book, not not some of the other manuals we get, but you know what I'm talking about, that big yeah, thick one, about eight, 530 some one. pages. Yeah. And yeah. the uh, they after that course was done, and we gave our thumbs up in in unanimous fashion, they brought that course to, uh, to Purdue University Calumet. And then the W. Clement Stone Foundation, I believe, gave a large, and it may have been Napoleon Hill as well, gave a large gift to Purdue to set up the, the Foundation World Learning Center there in Hammond. So it's been there, I'm going to guess, 20 years maybe, 18, 19 to 20 years, somewhere in that range. And they, they, I believe they still offer the courses there. I told Judy one of my goals was to bring that course back to that college be taught live and I want to instruct it because as, I, as you and I talked, doing it live and the synergy that goes on between people in a live classroom is just incredible. But it is, it is a wonderful place to walk into. You've got Chino there and Alan there.
0: Mm-hmm. And...
1: You've got all the books and Judy's office, which is just – you know there's something new and interesting brewing on her desk every time you're in there because she's constantly writing and doing things. Right. But it's just a, a wonderful location for a, a life-changing organization for, for so many people.
0: It It is, and, and so many things on her desk, have so many th- people send her things, too, cool things, yep. <laughs> and she always, as you said, she's always writing something, and uh, I went there for, uh, I think they had three days of various workshops, and uh, I learned to play the didgeridoo. I never even heard of a didgeridoo or ever envisioned myself. I'm going to
1: have to ask her about that because I've never heard of that before. Uh, Yeah,
0: and it uh, was taught by one of the professors at a university in Indiana, and I'm embarrassed I can't remember his name because he's a really good guy, and you probably recognize him if I said it, Uh, but he's a humanities and religion teacher at one of the universities in Indiana and so I'm thinking wow I came to Napoleon Hill World Learning Center and I'm learning to play a didgeridoo. It's like uh, (laughs) quite the experiential learning experience that Judy loves uh, so very much and when you know of you know the history and even the beauty of the place when you look out they have a pond there and some nice wildlife like oh it's
1: it's fantastic it it just live there and I mean I actually I I probably get by there once every couple of months I'll stop when I was in the midst of my final certification prepping for the for Victoria I was by there they probably got sick of seeing me come Uh, but it's such an invigorating place to go into and they're so friendly and they want everybody to learn so I mean it's a it's just it's a wonderful place and it sends out wonderful things into the world.
0: Definitely. And now we've spent all this time, and we haven't even spoken for like hardly 30 seconds about what you actually do for a living. How do you tie in the work you do with the Affordable Care Act and your insurance business, employee benefit advisor of the year, uh uh, and your obviously your passion for positive attitude and for Napoleon Hill's work uh you must have it seems like a foot in both doors, as a friend of mine, Tom Sutter would say the job that pays the bills and then the job that pays the heart and the soul,
1: yep, yep, you know I'll tell you it uh speaking on from the career standpoint. Uh, you would think reaching the age of 61, which is when the, the Napoleon, I mean, when the, when the bill actually came in about four years ago, uh, and I'll be 65 in about a month and a half. And, uh, when that bill passed in 2010, uh, it, it basically took me at a time when I should have been able to sit back, kick my feet up and relax and, Actually, reversed the entire thing to a completely new learning position in my life. I had to they, I had to start all over again because there was so much new stuff we had to interpret. It changed on a it seemed like a daily basis. And the first thought is, you know what? I don't need all this. I'm going to get the heck out of this. And then, <laughs> not being built quite that way, it became a challenge. And it was like this is a challenge to become the best that I can become at this. And if I can do that, I can grow my business even larger because of this disruption in my life that's come at an inopportune time because disruption never comes at a time that's good for you. And that's exactly what happened. We turned ourselves, uh, my son works with me in my agency, and we turned ourselves into the Affordable Care Act experts of our geographic location went on the speaking tour, we, we expended a significant amount of, of capital on getting the systems and things in place that we needed to be able to support our customers. And we grew 40% in the last four years in our business because of it. So disruption became opportunity and opportunity became growth. And it, and it came at a time when I could have sat back and felt sorry for myself couldn't afford to do that, so I had to apply the principles I had learned, and it also opened my eyes. It was during the same period in time I decided I wanted to get the certification, so I began doubling up on the time I was spending. Rather than being out on a golf course or doing something else, I was was spending my time getting up. In fact, my my morning schedule was, I'd get up at about 4.15, I would brush my teeth, shave, then I would exercise for about half an hour, then I would read for an hour and a half to two hours, and then I'd get ready to go to work and go to work. And I'd get home at 6.30 to 7 o'clock at night and then go from there. So it it sounds like the
0: schedule of a 20-year-old, not a guy who seems older than 20 years old. You
1: know what, though? It's when you have that purpose, because the purpose for me, the reading for work, was to be, be and hopefully stay the best I could be. The right. reading I did, included in that reading, was rereading again and again and again. P and A, the science of success. It was part of my path every morning. So that was the the breath of fresh air that came in with it. The other was doing this to keep my proficiency where it needed to be. And then I decided I wanted to get that certification. So I went back and started doing the class, or the the reading for the first component, then the distance learning, and then planning on this course, uh, the certification class in Victoria. And the refreshment of, of remembering to have a definite major purpose and to have, you know, to have a plan to get there and to have group some people around you that you could speak with that felt a common thought, you know, persistency and determination and self, uh, 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 you know, the confidence and and keeping on target. And it was reading that book that kept reminding me of these traits, and also made me plan for my definite major purpose in life, which for me, and I don't mind talking about it, is when I when I kind of balance the beam off of my career and turn it over to my son on more of him taking the reins is to go back and take PMA, the science of success in the course and take it to kids to teach it Mm because I want to give back what I've been blessed with.
0: Amen. that's part of life is create a legacy by giving back what you've been blessed with. Uh, Now, when I speak and I live in Canada, we have an amazing health care system that I brag on all the time. I've been in hospital about 40 times and the bill, when you leave, is always the exact same price. Zero. And I've heard you, some of you Americans slagging our system and yes, we pay high taxes in Canada and I'm happy to pay mine. I'm sure I'm in the hole a lot but we certainly look after people, and our health care system has saved my life. If I lived in the States, who would ever uh, insure someone who's going to be in the hospital 40 times and have four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced, amongst other things. Uh, So tell us a little bit, of just a little, because I bet you can talk for like 92 hours on the changes in the system (laughs) and what it entails, but uh, summarize a little bit of the changes and what it's trying to do. Uh, um, Healthcare systems are important to me, and I love them, and I love the Canadian one, but I don't understand much about yours.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the the major thing here in the States is when you have an entire population that got used to one method of delivering healthcare, and the majority of the people are covered under that system, it's hard for them to give up some of the things that exist with that system that they have become used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an example, their choice of picking and, and basically developing their health plan to be whatever health plan they want it to look like, large high deductibles, five, dollars 15000 because they can afford it and they, they don't want to pay because they're not going to use it. Uh, they had choice of physicians and things like that. Well, that hasn't been totally taken away uh, here in the states yet. It it's been some, uh, tremendously impacted in the individual marketplace, uh, where you've got limited sets of doctors uh, in geographic locations that you can use. It's not completely that way. There are still some companies that are offering the open access to all the physicians that are in their standard networks. And in the group insurance market, which is where I primarily work, uh, most all of the plans are using full-scope networks unless the employer decides to scale back and cut some of the major facilities out that may be more high-cost in order to save money. But there was a lot of good. I mean, the the fact that they put... Uh, wellness in there as a as a primary point of interest, and no copays, no deductibles to incentivize people to take care of themselves, cover kids the age of twenty six pull out pre existing conditions you know those are all good things, and unfortunately, they got lost in the political firefight that went on just because people didn't want to change because of party affiliation. And rather than talking about it and jointly working about it, nobody listens to either either side. Maybe that will change now to some degree. And there's there's been more conversation than in the past. Probably some of the areas that I found that have been most difficult and that are causing my clients most problems aren't the coverages as much except for the limitations put on them. They've been very happy about the, you know, pre x being taken out because they don't have to worry about that any longer, but being forced to take dental coverage and pay for it on your plan when you don't even have dental. I mean, I have to do that if I have an individual plan at my age, I have to pay for it. A lot of misunderstanding about that. Uh, I think that the people, uh, you know, in, this, in the system for group, from the group standpoint, which, as I mentioned, is where I'm practicing, it's all of the additional fees and costs that have been tagged on top of the plans that didn't exist before that have pushed the cost up and the fact that when they do subsidies, and I know you're used to it already in in Canada, but it's new for us here, when they subsidize the people at the lower income levels, the process mentally here is by the people who are paying for it, Why am I having to pay for them? Well, indirectly, we do that anyhow. When you have an an uninsured population that gets uncompensated care, we all pay for it with pass-through to the people who are paying for it anyhow. So indirectly, either way, you're paying for it. I think a lot of it is just a matter of process and time and how we adjust our system here to what's an American philosophical position rather than a Canadian, which you have gotten used to up there, that they adapt something that's more to the American modality. But Mm -hmm. who knows? I mean, I have no idea where it's going to go. It could end up single-payer completely. Uh, Nobody here knows at this point. But it's gradually people are taking, you know, they're getting used to it. Some very exciting things have been done here. As an example, we're in the process with a couple of our uh, health uh, employers uh, where we're installing a video doctor office visit program, where they can actually visit with a physician that might normally cost them a copay of twenty or ten dollars or forty dollars or whatever. It'll it can cost them. Uh, 10 to $40, depending on what the employer wants to to uh, 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 obligate themselves to, or a person could just go online and visit a physician for simple medical issues rather than going to an emergency room. We've got groups that are coming out that are doing laboratory testing for 70 and 80% off the normal values because of creative thinking to solve some of the problems being created by what is now in our system, unlike Canada, where you're talking about, Having no bill most of the health plans being offered here in the states right now have got deductibles probably the average is at twenty five hundred and higher up to as high as sixty six hundred and premiums unless they're subsidized significantly that are in for the single person anywhere from four to five hundred dollars a month to as high as a thousand plus per month for a very very high deductible health plan so it our system as it adapts towards yours hasn't quite gotten to what you're offering yet uh, in Canada, and that's where a lot of the disruption comes. But it's politics as usual, and that's the maddening thing. And not just in pol not just in healthcare, but so many things down here. It's whether or not you're a, a Democrat or a Rep- Republican. <laughs> uh, people <laughs> yeah. don't talk civilly to each other unless they're of the same party. It seems like. Right. I've just
0: mentioned that to somebody yesterday that uh things are so party line drawn there that uh it's different for us in canada and so uh that's something noticeable uh you probably met on your leader certification trip uh, uh livio Andrietta.
1: I gosh i know i oh livio oh. Not, is that the husband Pat and livio yeah pat i and livio were not on the trip this year uh. Uh, Pat had done all of the preparation for the planning for the trip. And Livio and I talked on the phone a number of times, and and we've talked about getting together because he's in the health business as well. And uh, very interesting people. And Pat does a great job setting up the trip. You don't have to do much of anything but contact her and give her a credit card number for your discounted rates to travel. So
0: it's excellent. Yeah, yeah, amazing people, amazing people, great friends of mine, amazing people. Uh, so, okay, that uh, explains a little bit about the healthcare system. I, I'm a little bit more educated on it now, although I'm, I'm sure I'm still as confused as probably not. Well, what you know Americans. today may
1: be different tomorrow, anyhow. So, <laughs> right, right.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, Uh, We've been going on a long time I thought we'd go like 30-40 minutes Because I'm tired But now you got me all excited here Uh, Let's just end off uh, You'd wanted to talk about uh, So you could talk about it briefly You wanted to talk about family as your benchmark Children as our present And grandchildren as our future So go through those Because those are uh, When I asked you for questions Those were clearly dear to your heart
1: well, you know, I, I guess what I look at is family, and I, I really realized this when I went back to Greece, where my father's family was from, and he had never visited the island of Icaria, which, from your, if you remember your Greek mythology, was the island was Icarus who flew up to the sun with his fathers to escape the Minotaur on at the maze. Mm-hmm. On, on Cyprus or Crete, I forget. Oh, wow. And his, his dad said, don't go too close to the sun, and he did. And his wings melted, and he plummeted to his death. Well, supposedly, the, the on the island of Vicaria, they claim that that plummeting came to a certain spot on the island, which we didn't get to when we went there last year. But being back and feeling the roots and, and seeing where my family was from, my, the Greek side of my family, and visiting members of my family I'd never met or even knew existed that had the same last name and the same characteristics. And I, Tom, I had sent to you that little that twenty-some page thing I had kind of authored on some of the things in life that were important to me. Mm-hmm. And and when you get towards the end of that, there's a chapter. I, I'm I'm sure you probably didn't get there, but it's called positive emotional genetics. I call it PEG for short, P E G. We always talk about physical genetics. In physical genetics, we know what we pass on. I mean, I've actually, seven years ago, when I work out and eat the right foods and everything else, I had three stints put into my heart, left anterior descending, which is the Widowmaker artery, because I had family genetic history. Well, not only do you inherit genetic history, I'm firmly a believer that you inherit emotional genetics and DNA. And... The people from my family and the history of it are all people who cared about others and tried to give back to others in heavy doses and always giving people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, that can be called stupid. You're taken advantage of only right. if you let it happen more than one time. Is that true? But I think you have to give people a chance. Mm-hmm. And it's those that genetic component, whether or not it's genetic or it's mental, that we get from our families as I got from my family with uh, with the, uh, the power of positive thinking, the in- introduction to that book and the way we lived our lives. And my mother used to say, you, uh, never judge anyone until you walked a mile in their moccasins and know what they've really been through. Those are things we learn. It's important for us to benchmark our life off the positives we learn that way and to make them part of our life that we're living in the present and then to prepare our grandchildren and our children to live that in the present and in the future as we blend the generations together. It's up to us to pass on the wrong thing, or the right things. If it, a negative keeps occurring to you time again, and again, it's because for some reason, I believe you're not letting go of those things in the past that have had an impact on you that you haven't grown beyond yet. And forgiven yourself for having had them happen or whatever. It's every day's a new start. Every day, so it's up to us to take what we've learned, to use it properly, and use those things that are good and pure and powerful and positive, and discard those things that aren't. That sounds like a Bible verse.
0: <laughs> I know that's a Bible verse.
1: Pure, yeah. uh,
0: all those uh, that list of amazing. Adjectives. And just like you said or we talked about earlier where uh, for every act of terrorism and violence, there's 10,000 acts of goodness, grace, and kindness. Same with people. You can you can trust and give, extend trust to most people. I don't know if it's Jim Rohn or Zig Ziglar who said that, you know, there's only about a half a dozen uh, rotten people out there, but they just seem to move around a lot.
1: Yep. You know, the one thing, I, I, and I, I used to... Bis- tell it to my kids all the time, all the time, all the time after having read Zig's Zig's books. Uh, And and that was, and when I had him, I asked him in person again, when we brought him out here for the seminar in 87, as we were driving back to the airport, as I asked every one of the people I've interviewed, what would you tell people about achieving success that you think is the most important thing to say, and I'm going to paraphrase it because it isn't quite said this way by Zig, but you'll remember it. Do everything every day that you can to help everyone around you get everything out of life that they can get, and you will receive everything you wish to get out of life in return. Mm. And it's it's that's biblical, indirectly, cast your lot upon the waters and it will return to you in whatever measure you cast it out. Mm. I mean, it comes back. And it, life can be so difficult or it can be that simple. People t- tend to make their life far more complicated than it needs to be.
0: Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> one... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, I totally agree. Way more complicated than they make it to be, need it to be. Amazing. Uh, All right. Well, we've been on this call a long time. We could be talking for a long time. Yeah, I think we
1: could. I'm going to have to come to one of those events where you are, and we can spend an evening together. (laughs) Uh,
0: Let's direct people to your website, because obviously we didn't even get into all the things about the pledge. But if you just Google Lim Walker's Pledge, you'll see the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Uh, publicizing it on their Facebook, their e Powerful, powerful pledge. It's going to be in the website page I create to promote this uh, interview. Uh, the Lim Walkers Pledge. So everybody look that up. If you want to find Will, the best way is through his website, uh, meyersclerus.com. I'll have to spell that because both names are not so common. Uh, M. <laughs> M-E-Y-E-R-S, M-E-Y-E-R-S, and then GLAROS, G-L-A-R-O-S dot com. That's your insurance business, but they can get hold of you through there, uh, when they want to find out more about these winner Circle interviews, more about the Limb Walkers Pledge, uh, more about the Napoleon Hill World Learning Center, and about becoming a certified instructor. So, MyersGLAROS
1: dot com. Can I can I give a recommendation while we're on the line? Please uh, do. There is a great book that I refer everybody to. I read two pages from it every morning with my reading. It's part of that litany of things I read. It's called The Best of Success. It's written by a gentleman who is a professor at Ohio State University. His name was Wynn W Y N N Davis. The book is three hundred and roughly fifty pages of the most positive affirmations and famous quotes you've heard from anybody at any time in your life. Uh, it could be uh, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, it could be Helen Keller, it could be Zig Ziglar, it could be biblical. And that th- each chapter is on a different strength like character or persistence or determination, and I've tried to match the chapters up with each of the seventeen traits. For when I teach my course, finally, I can I can bring the two together. The book is an absolute goldmine of motivation to start every day, and it's it is you can get it. I actually just ordered ten of them on Amazon. You can buy them from anywhere from fifty six cents for a good version used to spending 86 bucks, I think it is, for a brand-new version. You don't need the brand-new one. Order them. I order them, and then I give them away to people.
0: And Looking the, at it a, on Amazon right now. It is a fantastic book. Just the best. The Best of Success by Wynne Davis. Yep. Now I'm going to have to order it. <laughs> I just cost you money. You just cost Not me much money. though, you're getting it at a discount. Right, right. It's six dollars and fifty cents on Amazon here, six forty seven. So you didn't cost me too much money, but in Canadian dollars that's like about hundred and twelve dollars. <laughs> but <laughs> with, our, it's with our dollar going the way it is. Yeah. So But try well, that thank- book.
1: Anybody out there listening, it's a great read for every day. Amen. And
0: uh, we all need good books to read, and uh, I'm going to have to order one now myself, so thank you so much. I'm always asking people about good books, uh, so I can always make sure I have a good supply of them handy for reading well i will thank you so much for being on the show today i know judy williamson's gonna be loving me for interviewing you uh maybe not for giving away some of the upcoming book that she has coming out uh but uh, i know she is a big fan of this limb walker's pledge that we didn't even get a chance to go into because we're so excited about other things so look up the limb walker's pledge You'll find it on various Napoleon Hill Foundation places. That's me being a bit jealous there. But uh, it's an amazing pledge. It's something we should all take to heart and consider and pledge ourselves to uh, the things that you mentioned about. And then there's an affirmation to create in there as well. And so everybody look
1: look uh, that up. One last comment, why the name limo walker? The reason for it, there's a a quote I've I've heard and used for years, and that was, if one never ventures out on the limb, one will never taste the fruit. You have to try. Mm. And that's the whole purpose.
0: Well, it's uh, 6.39 my time. I should be tired, but you got me so excited here. If I was going to (laughs) sell somebody something, they'd have to buy it
1: Well, have a great evening. Thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it.
0: It's a lot of fun. Well, have yourself an amazing day. Take care. You too, Tom.
1: Bye-bye.